Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Trevor Owens. Trevor is an author and entrepreneur. He's the co-founder and CEO of Javelin.com, the makers of Quick MVP and Lean Startup Machine. Quick MVP is a service that lets you quickly and easily test business ideas. And the Lean Startup Machine is a workshop that teaches you how to build something customers want and run the right, right experiments to steer your business in the right direction. Trevor is also the author of the book, The Lean Enterprise, which details how corporations can apply more innovation and lean startup to launching new products. Is your team struggling with spreadsheets that can't keep up with your workflows? It's time to switch to JotForm Tables. JotForm Tables is an all-in-one workspace that lets you collect, organize, and manage data seamlessly. Not only can you create online forms to gather data directly in JotForm Tables, but it also serves as a powerful tool to manage and analyze the data collected from your existing JotForm forms. You can also import spreadsheets or enter information manually, and all your data is stored securely in one place. JotForm Tables makes collaboration a breeze. You can share your tables with a single click and work with your team in real time. Say goodbye to version control issues and hello to efficient teamwork. Get started with JotForm tables for free today at sasclub.io slash JotForm. That's sasclub.io slash JotForm. Are you looking to sell your online business or buy one to start your entrepreneurial journey? Discover exciting opportunities with Bupos.com. Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses and the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers. At Bupos.com, you can explore their exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. Bupos can offer pre-approved financing for recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding with no personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash Bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next deal. Hey there, SaaS founders. Are you looking to grow your B2B SaaS business to the first million in annual recurring revenue? I've got something that can help you. Introducing the SaaS Club newsletter, your weekly source of proven strategies, practical insights, and exclusive interviews with successful B2B SaaS founders who've been in your shoes and are ready to share what they've learned. Each week, you'll get a quick five-minute read delivered straight to your inbox, full of growth tactics, lessons learned, and insider tips to help you tackle those early stage challenges and grow your business to seven figures and beyond. So what are you waiting for? Head over over to sasclub.io slash newsletter and join over 4,000 other SaaS founders and entrepreneurs who are already using these insights to grow their businesses. Subscribe to the SaaS Club newsletter today and get the support you need to keep moving forward on your SaaS journey. Trevor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Omar. Thanks for having me. Now, I gave the audience a brief overview of your product and business, but tell us a little bit more about you personally. Who is Trevor when he's not working? Yeah, so uh, there's not a lot of time spent not working for me. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those <laughs> one of those type of guys who, uh, you know, my life is my work, and um, I love to work. Um, it kind of runs in in my DNA. My my father was a, a workaholic, and growing up, when uh, whenever uh, we had spare time, we would spend time together by, uh, you know, painting the house or something like that. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I love working um, outside of work. Um, I spent a lot of time uh, mentoring entrepreneurs and advising entrepreneurs. Um, 
I, um, you know, haven't, haven't been the best at, uh, you know, keeping in shape, but I recently uh, relocated to the, uh, San Francisco area. So I'm looking forward to doing some of the nice outdoor activities that they have here. Sweet. Now we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite quotes? Yeah. So one of my, um, recent favorite quotes is a quote by Warren Buffett where he said, I don't look to jump over seven foot bars. I look around for one foot bars that I can step over. And, um, you know, as I've uh, grown as an entrepreneur and I've met uh, other successful entrepreneurs, I find that, you know, we're usually, um, usually entrepreneurs, we have this like grand vision for accomplishing something really big in the world. Um, but the best entrepreneurs are the people that can have a big vision and then put together the extremely pragmatic steps to accomplishing it. So you have to kind of have uh, almost these contrasting skill sets of being able to think big and think extremely small. And for someone like Warren Buffett, who is, you know, the richest person alive, he's, you know, a very kind of disciplined person that I think all of us can learn a lot of habits from. Um, For him, it was very important to look for opportunities that he knew were going to be a guaranteed win as opposed to taking on a bigger opportunity that maybe had bigger risk. So, and when I look at a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs that I admire who um, have been successful and, and, you know, the tough thing about, about looking at other entrepreneurs is that there's a lot of people that look successful that maybe aren't really successful. Um, the people that I've met that, you know, truly are successful um, have this really pragmatic approach to like, they have a formula and they execute on that formula. And, and it's a, it's a one foot bar that they're going to step over. It's not a, a seven foot bar. They have to jump over. I really like that quote. I haven't heard that one before. And I think you're right. I think, you know, it's great to have a, a big vision, but unless you have these, these pragmatic steps, as you said, to, to move you along, uh, you, you're, you often end up in danger of biting off a lot more than you can chew, right? Which, which, which leads to a whole bunch of other issues. Yeah. Now let's give the listeners a better understanding of Javelin um, and, and the, the products quick MVP and lean startup uh, machine. Who, who are your target customers and what are the top pain points that you're trying to solve for them? Yeah. So um, the lean startup machine uh, started out of uh, my own pain in terms of uh, developing as an entrepreneur, I had uh, at the time. This was 2010. This is you know five years ago. Um, the New York tech scene, uh, which is where I moved from, was just picking up, and um, I had uh, done a lot of entrepreneurial things uh, in business school and participated in business plan competitions, and I just felt that the uh, the education. Uh, that was out there was kind of outdated and that you had to learn more by doing. So I originally organized a couple of hackathons uh, in the New York City area. And I actually organized one of the biggest ones um, at the time. And I found that at the end of the hackathon, like I exp- like my goal was to, to help people uh, form teams, to find real like co-founder relationships, to build products that could become businesses and uh, definitely the networking happened at the hackathons, but the products that people came up with, uh, they would never be businesses um, because they were all these kind of half-baked ideas. And um, I thought, well, you know, at the time I had uh, 
I had been reading a lot about customer development and lean startup and design thinking and all the different schools of thought about you know, starting a business and how the biggest risk is really just if your customers want it or not. I decided to organize the first lean startup machine, which is you know, a three-day workshop on the weekend where instead of uh, forming teams and spending the whole time inside coding, you actually go out of the building and talk to customers and figure out if they want what you have, if you figure out if they want what you're going to build, if they don't, then pivot and test something new. Um, and I thought it would be a much better way to do it, but it ended up being, uh, you know, an order of magnitude better way to do it because uh, my experience had been that um, in business school, all of my colleagues would spend uh, a year developing this one idea and never really talking to customers, but getting all this research data that said it was such a great idea because they wanted to sell it to the, the judges of the competition. So their idea wouldn't change for a whole year. But in the LSM process, people's idea, uh, everybody's idea changed. And some people changed their idea several times. And the ideas they ended with were much better than the ideas they started with. And they all had customers signed up. They all had people that wanted their products. So just seeing that happen in three days versus a year-long business competition where, you know, in three days you could be several times ahead just really blew my mind. Um, and that was kind of the start of LSM. Um, from there, um, you know, my goal was not necessarily to start a consulting or training company. Um, I actually didn't see LSM as a business initially. It was just kind of a hobby for me. Um, and then it ended up getting so much traction, I decided to do it full time. My goal was really to build a software company. So we started building different products based off of um, the methodologies that we've created in the workshop and some of the tools that we had helped people with. Um, and we, uh, we initially created a project management tool uh, and sold it to Enterprise. And that didn't go so well. We actually uh, pivoted away from that. And then I always thought there were kind of two directions that, that we could go in terms of uh, the value that, that Lean Startup provided. Um, one was kind of the execution level, which is what you see in Quick MVP, and the other was the project management side. So we pivoted away from the project management side and started focusing on uh, more execution-oriented tools. And what Quick MVP is, is basically the, 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 the easiest way to do uh, Lean Startup technique for your business. So um, it combines a landing page builder with a Google ad creator. And for anyone that's heard about Lean Startup, usually the first like aha moment you have with, with Lean is that is this idea of putting up a landing page before you have a product and seeing if anybody clicks the buy button. And if nobody clicks the buy button, then it's probably because nobody you know, needs or wants uh, the product. So um, it's what we're really trying to do is like make it as simple as possible, as easy as possible for people to to do uh, one of the techniques of lean and save time um, by figuring out really fast whether or not somebody wants uh, their product or not before they invest their time and money in it. Okay, so let's go back to the early days of uh, before you started the first uh, lean startup machine event. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about how you put this together and what you were actually, you know, how, how did you come up with the content for this three-day training? Were you basically pulling the 
the the content from Eric Reese's book or um you know I just what was the process you went through yeah so this was um a year and a half before his book came out um and the very first one there almost was no content actually um and it's uh it's evolved over time you know like the very first event looks nothing like what it looks like today the first event it was like just the idea of like what if we got 50 people in a room to form teams and the winner was not how cool the demo was and how, how awesome the market opportunity sounded, but the winner was who got the most customers to sign up over the last few days. And so we just put everybody in a room with that idea and told them the goals. And I um, got some local entrepreneurs who were into the lean movement. Um, you know, I had, um, I had uh, gone on a trip uh, the summer before called Geeks on a Plane with Dave McClure. And um, for anyone listening who doesn't know Dave, he's like a super connector, uh, awesome uh, angel investor, VC, founder of 500 Startups. Uh, he's also now an investor uh, in Javelin. And, um, you know, I, I saw like what Eric was writing about and I thought like it was really like a great explanation of it. And so Dave connected uh, Eric and I and you know, through Eric, I met, uh, he introduced me to some other people who ended up coming, uh, just to talk. So it started off being very informal. Like we just got some of the lean thinkers in the room and had them give talks and people ask questions and had this goal of in the next three days, uh, get as many customers to sign up as you can. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you had Eric actually turn up to that first event. He Skyped in. So interesting. Yeah, so that the first one was in New York, and we did the second one in Chicago, and the third one in SF, and that was the first time I actually met Eric in person was in San Francisco. Okay, so you you did the first event, um, and it was kind of pretty loosely sort of formed, you know, it, 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 as, as you sort of explained. Um, what um, what sort of drove you to keep? Um, building this and turning this into kind of a more of a formal training program for, for entrepreneurs? Yeah, for, for me, it was just like, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was learning a lot myself. And so I, I hosted an event. Um, we started in 2010. I hosted one more in 2010. And then we hosted maybe five in 2011. And um, I just kept, you know, just tweaking it and just trying to make it a little bit better. And um had different people pitch in and volunteer and help. And I really think that we kind of hit product market fit about, um, in April of 2011. Like I could really, you could really, you could feel like every event getting better, actually. Like I can feel people are more excited, you know, learned different things at every event. And then at the end of 2011, um, you know, I, um, I was, you know, I was traveling with it too. So it was fun. You know, um, I just decided, you know, like, Hey, like I got to kind of, figure out what I want to do. I got to pick one thing. And, um, you know, I measured, I actually measured product market fit for lean start machine. So I sent out the, the survey question, how disappointed would you be if you could not have attended, uh, LSM? And we had a really high score, you know, the usually, um, you know, Sean Ellis is the guy who created this metric, um, or this methodology. And he said, you need to have 40% of people saying they'd be very disappointed. Uh, if they could not use your product or did not have the experience. And we had 70% of people from that fall London workshop. Wow. And, and so I was just like, 
you know, I thought it would be like 42, maybe 38, you know, around there. And I saw 70%. I was like, wow, like I'm really uh, sleeping on a good opportunity here. So um, at that point, I decided to really go full time beginning of 2012. Uh, it was definitely uh, um, a powerful moment because I had to email my entire network uh, with this goal of doing 50 workshops that year. And I knew I could do it, but I just remember like, you know, feeling afraid, like not very consciously afraid. But I remember the exact moment because I was, uh, I think it was like I was in bed at like midnight, like writing this email to everybody, being like, I need help, volunteers, employees, et cetera, I'm hiring. Uh, my goal is to do 50 workshops for Allison around the world. And I could just remember about to hit send and I was like, you know, should I really hit send? <laughs> you know, like, like what's going to happen if I hit send? So, um, and, and in that moment, this happened to me several times, actually, where you recognize this unconscious fear that you have. And for me, whenever I do that, it just like, you, you know, it's, a, you know, it's, a, you know, that you have this moment because there's no logic behind the fear. Like there is no like real good reason why anything bad was going to happen if I had sent on that email, but yet I still had some fear behind it. So you know, in that moment that when you take the next step, you're really uh, pushing yourself to the next level in terms of who you are. And I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, your company is a reflection of yourself. It's a reflection of uh, your abilities and it's a reflection of uh, your maturity as an entrepreneur. So really developing yourself and getting over your fees are, fears are key to making your business a success. Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bupas is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses. With their exclusive listings, as well as listings from other marketplaces, and the option to submit your own deal for approval, Bupas has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees and their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with bupos.com. And so how many uh, LSM events are you currently doing at the moment? Yeah, so we're... Um we've been doing about a hundred a year. Um, this year we're actually trying to do less because, um, the number of workshops you do is a vanity metric really, um, um, by itself. And we're trying to do a little bit less this year and do higher quality events and really, um, build a stronger community. And we have some kind of big announcements coming up in the next few months about how we're going to take our offerings to the next level in terms of, um, providing more value to entrepreneurs and to our customers. Okay. So let's, let's uh, talk about quick MVP. Was, was the idea of that really driven from what you were seeing at the LSM events and, and being able to provide these entrepreneurs with a better set of tools to go out and validate these ideas? Is that how the idea sort of came about for you? Yeah, it did. And um, for me, um, you know, we raised VC, uh, we went through Techstars uh, Accelerator in New York and um, the the opportunity kind of in the tools space is most people believe is like purely in the enterprise market because startups are, you know, there's a lot of them, but they don't really have a high purchasing power. 
And enterprises really need uh, to catch up in terms of being more innovative and being more agile. Um, so that's how I came up. You know, I was always thinking kind of like with that end in mind about like what tool could we provide to the enterprise. And the two, um, the two things that we do at the workshop um, is that we have a framework called the Javelin Board, which is basically the scientific method applied to startups. And uh, this we developed uh, ourselves after uh, basically just seeing what the most successful LSM teams did and kind of reverse engineering their thinking and their process. Um, and so that was kind of like the original project management tool that we tried. You know, we made a lot of mistakes in, how, in terms of how we brought that to market and the execution of it. Um, that as a, you know, really this is kind of like my, my first rodeo here. You know, I didn't, I wasn't able to foresee. So we ended up pivoting to uh, quick MVP and um, every, every team at the LSM event launches a landing page. It's kind of like, it's, it's not like you have to do it. I mean, there's other ways to get signups and get people to get the validation for your solution, but it's one of the most concrete, easy ways, uh, to do it. So, um, you know, just seeing that like at our workshops, everybody launches a landing page, uh, gave me the idea to just start to test this. So for QuickMP, we ran a lot of tests and tested a lot of assumptions before uh, getting to the point where we are today. Okay, so why did you decide to go and get funding to launch QuickMVP? Yeah, um, I got funding because um, I felt I feel like at the time, and um, you know that we wanted to be really positioned to take advantage of the market opportunity. Um, so for us, um, and also running a, um, running a workshop business is very intense. It's very operationally intense. And so it can be very draining on the management. And so by raising funding, it allowed, positioned us to, um, get a little bit more breathing room to step back and really focus more on software and also gave us kind of, um, you know, uh, a ticket into the race, I guess, of, of really capitalizing on the, the growing need for, for better tools for, uh, you know, innovation and new businesses. Now, you know, a lot of times when I talk to entrepreneurs and, and we sort of uh, get onto the subject of, you know, you launch a product and then how do you go about, um, you know, getting that product in front of your customers? I guess it was very different for you, right? Because you you already had this platform of these potential customers who were attending all these workshops around the country that you could you could reach very easily. Um, so how how sort of did that go down, and and uh, what was the initial reaction when you launched the product? Yeah, so when we when we launched our first product, I mean, we got some really big uh, companies to sign up, some big enterprises like. GE and American Express. And, um, you know, I thought that the hardest part of getting enterprises was the, the sales part, but it turned out that the hardest part was after you sell them, uh, actually getting them, you know, onboarded and using the tools. And I think um, for us, like bef- when you have a product that doesn't have product market fit yet, it's a real risk to go direct to enterprise um, because they're not always the early adopters in the ecosystem. Um, they maybe have an individual who's an early adopter, but then who could be your champion, but then the other employees who use the tool, and sometimes the person who buys your product enterprise 
uh, isn't the person who's going to use it, right? So uh, the other people are less likely to be early adopters where the direct-to-consumer model uh, that we're doing with Quick MVP, even though our goal is to eventually be an enterprise, allows us to get really great feedback and to iterate and to get, um, you know, to improve the product and get it ready for more of an enterprise rollout. Um, so we've, we've definitely always had, I guess, we do have a huge advantage in terms of already having that customer base. Um, but, you know, when we started LSM, I think the key in getting LSM to grow was twofold. One was that we were uh, sort of riding on the back of a movement like Lean Startup and, um, you know, participating in that movement. And the other thing was just having a great product because the word of mouth that we would get for LSM uh, was really huge. And we would have things where, you know, people who would attend an event in New York were the people, were, were people from all around the world. They weren't just from people from New York. And those would, we'd have some say from Chicago who would come and they'd be like, you know, I really want to bring this event to Chicago. Um, so kind of word of mouth was really what helped LSM grow, uh, and being a part of a bigger movement. And then, um, you know, with, with our other products, the challenge has never been getting the customers. It's always been taking the right steps in the right order, uh, and running the right tests, um, to make sure that we're going to be successful with our plan. So looking back at the early days, what do you think was one of the biggest mistakes that you made? Yeah. I think that, um, you know, when I look at like some of my peers um, who have had, um, you know, some like really runaway success in terms of their, their new businesses, I feel like keeping your momentum going as an entrepreneur is really key. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, the steps that we've eventually taken have been, have been great. And if I could go back and redo it, I would just do things in a little bit of a different order because I feel like we've, as uh, as LSM as Javelin, we've kind of taken this zigzag approach. You know, if you've ever seen that, like there's like this infographic that says um, what people think success looks like and then what success really looks like. And people think it's right. like a straight line and what it really looks like is like going in circles and then you kind of get out of it. You know, the, the, the latter has definitely in some sense described us at times. And, you know, uh, it, it's hard, it's hard to say that you could, that you could do anything differently, but the biggest mistake I think I've, uh, the biggest mistake I think I've made is like kind of like losing momentum, you know, several times in the process and almost feeling like you had to take, like you took two steps back just to take one step forward. Um, can actually can you give me an example of that? I mean, is is you, you sort of when you're looking back, is there something that you specifically that you look back and you say that's that's one example of something I wish we had done differently? Yeah. So very early in the growing of in the growing of LSM, um, we there's, so there's a there's a couple things I'll share, and I think. I think most of it comes down to really like managing uh, your runway, I think, because, you know, there's been times where we've had to like hire too fast or something like that and to peel back a little bit, like very early in LSM. One of the great things about a, an events business is that you have uh, positive working capital. So what, I'm, what this means is that uh, when you uh, launch an event, you start getting in revenue immediately. And you don't deliver the service until the date of the event. So one of the things that we did to grow really fast was that uh, we scaled ahead of our events. So you know we would um, 
um, get revenue in. And then with that revenue, it hired the person to organize the next event, for example. You know, so quickly you can multiply the number of events you're doing. And I think very early on, you know, I just went all out doing that and went probably way too fast. And we got to a point where, um, you know, we, we started to get, uh, we had to cancel some events because we didn't really factor that in as much as we should have. And then I ended up in a situation where I was like late paying a lot of the people that were running the events. And it was just like, you know, these are people that, um, you know, mean a lot to me. And, you know, when you run a company, all your employees mean so much to you, right? And like, these are the people that are really, uh, almost like your children in some sense, right? Like the employees of your company, um, you, you feel like, um, they're a part of your family as an entrepreneur. You take your business really, really personally. And, you know, I, I feel like I really let a lot of people down at that moment, you know, and that was a, a, a that was a really defining moment for me in that, in that sense of scaling too quickly. And, um, even after, you know, uh, we, we raised money. Um, we, we started working with a couple different development shops to do some software stuff for us. And I feel like that was maybe jumping the gun a bit and going a little bit, uh, ahead of our, ahead of our boundaries. So, you know, I'm a big believer in moving quickly, but, um, you, you know, if you can, if you go end up going too fast, you can really, uh, lose a lot of your momentum, you know, and it can, it can set you back. Now, when I was doing, you know, research for this interview, one of the things, there was this theme that sort of kept, um, sort of coming up, uh, about you and, and the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people saw you as this, you know, this incredible hustler, um, and you know, you're, you're, incredibly connected and you mentioned you know dave mcclure and and you know eric Grease and and you know earlier we talked about uh the story that i'd heard about you getting seth godin to turn up for an event that you were doing what advice would you give to somebody about what are some of the lessons that you've learned about you know just the way that you get things done and the way that you connect with people. Yeah. So I've, I've definitely, um, I, I think I've done a lot, a lot of people did, you know, kind of know me in New York, uh, just because I, I, part of it is just organizing events really, you know, like, um, and it's, uh, it's ironic because, um, everything really started for me when I started organizing events and I really only purely organized events because I was doing my business school because, and this was, you know, how I got Seth Godin was that I was looking for uh, a technical co-founder. And I thought, you know, I, it was really hard to find a technical co-founder. It's probably still really hard today. You know, if you're just starting, I was like, I have to differentiate myself from my peers a little bit. And so, you know, I was reading Seth Godin and reading, um, following other people in the tech scene. And I would just shoot him a cold email. I would just say, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours. And I would, would love to have you come speak at uh, NYU's business school. And I was able to leverage uh, the reputation of NYU. And um, by organizing events, I met a lot of great people. And uh, as I mentioned to you kind of before the, the audio, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, an introverted uh, person. So, which, which every, when everyone hears that, they're always like so shocked. They're like, no way. How could you be, <laughs> how could you be an introvert? Like you're, you ha- you're so, you know, you have like social skills, you know? And I'm like, you know, that's, that's not what being an introvert is. But, um, so, um, for me, uh, the, 
the thing about organizing an event is that you are providing value to a lot of people. And I think when it comes down to establishing yourself and networking, for me, it comes down to two things. The first one is adding value. Um, and the second one is standing out. So the more that you can um, stand out and be different from other people that, that the people you're trying to meet interact with, you're going to create a like lasting memory. And this is like kind of like branding 101. Like everybody, um, anybody knows anything about branding is that you have to figure out like what is your, who are you as a product really if you're, if you're doing your personal branding, right? Like, um, you know, like Lean Startup, for example, is like a very good branding behind an idea. Um, and so for me, events was like a repeatable way to add value to influential people. And um, almost everyone who's highly networked, I see that they have kind of like these repeatable ways to add value to people because uh, you're really trying to scale your relationships. And um, I'm also a big believer in karma. And I think that um, my personal philosophy is really to, to, to give, um, really just to give as much as possible and like just let it come back to you whatever way it's going to. Um, so, and a lot of people like that I've also seen on your show, like uh, I saw like Heaton Shah. Yeah. Yeah. So Heaton as well is like, you know, he's one of the most connected people in the Valley and he's also, he's an, he, he's an advisor of uh, Javelin and just one of my favorite people because he's just so selfless. Like among all the people that I know, he's someone that just like, you know, will, if you're a new entrepreneur in, in Silicon Valley and you just drop him an email and he's never heard of you before and you say, Hey, I'm new and I really want to meet some people and, you know, I saw you on Twitter and I really like your company. He would meet with you and get coffee and like, you know, you know, try to help you out and offer you whatever advice. He's just that, that type of person. And, um, his, his motto is even, um, a quote by Zig Ziglar, which is the way to get, uh, or something like, uh, by helping everyone else get what they want in life is the route to getting what you want. So I'm a big believer in just giving as selflessly as possible. And for me, events was an easy way to do that. And I never wanted to be, to start an event company, but it, it ended up, uh, you know, leading me to LSM. So, yeah, I was a little surprised as well, well when you said that, you know, you were an introvert, although having said that, you know, so am I, but, and I think I, I came across something a while back, which said, you know, you can tell if you're an introvert, if, you know, it doesn't mean you don't have social skills. It just means I think that a lot of the times you find you need to be by yourself to kind of recharge and get that energy back, right? Whereas uh, extroverts need to be around people to sort of get that charge of energy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I explained that well, but anyway, that's the way I think about it. Do you dream of owning a profitable online business or are you looking to sell yours? Bupos.com is the number one platform for entrepreneurs and founders alike. With Bupos, you can discover exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. As the first platform to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers, Bupos makes it easier than ever to acquire a recurring revenue business without personal guarantees. Their experienced M&A advisory team is dedicated to supporting you throughout the process, ensuring a smooth transaction. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next venture. Are you still wrestling with rigid spreadsheets that slow down your team? 
Jotform Tables is a solution you've been looking for. Jotform Tables combines the power of a spreadsheet with the flexibility of a database. You can collect your data through customizable online forms and Jotform Tables automatically organizes and stores all the data submitted through your Jotform forms. You can also import and export files and collaborate with your team effortlessly. All changes are synced in real time, so everyone is always on the same page. But Jotform Tables is more than just a spreadsheet alternative. With conditional formatting, data visualization, and more than 200 150 integrations, it's a complete productivity platform for your team. You can even automate tasks and workflows to save time. Ready to centralize your data, boost your team's efficiency, and take your productivity to new heights? Sign up for free at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? Well, you're not alone. But the good news is you don't have to settle for slow growth. The right tools can be a growth game changer. And that's where the SaaS toolkit comes in. This free guide cuts through the noise and shows you the 12 essential types of tools successful SaaS startups have used to get to seven figures and beyond. It gives you specific examples and makes practical recommendations to help you find the perfect growth tools for your needs. So stop feeling stuck. Visit thesastoolkit.com to download your free copy and unlock the growth potential you've been missing. That's the sastoolkit.com.